fellow readers. Today I am in studio with author K.J. Howe. She is the author of the upcoming Skyjack. It is the second in a series of books. We will be talking about this thriller and more coming right up. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Very dramatic. Very dramatic entrance. Put them the clapping. It just feels so good. Doesn't it? I love it. <laughs> it feels wonderful to come into clapping, and thank you for joining us today on Book Circle Online, where I am in studio with author KJ Howe. KJ, where can everyone find you on social media? Sure. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and LinkedIn, uh, and my website as well. And it's all under KJ Howe. So kjhow.com or KJ Howe on the, all those sites. Great. And that's how with an E at the end as well for anyone who is typing it in to look it up. And I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Zoe Hewitt. And I can't wait to talk about this book because as I was telling you before we got started, I liked Skyjack so much that when I realized there was a first one I'd missed, I went back to read it because I couldn't resist seeing what else happened with these characters. So absolutely loved it. And one of the things that I think we need to talk about first off is you have this strong female character. So what made you decide? this time, because this genre, usually we get men, you know, as our heroes. What made you start off with a woman? Sure. Well, I figured that we had, you know, Jason Bourne, you know, Jack Reacher and James Bond. Mm-hmm. We need a little bit more girl power out yes. there. And um, I was lucky. I grew up, um, my father worked in telecommunications and I traveled a great deal. So I lived internationally and I also mm-hmm. basically had the opportunity to motorcycle, scuba dive and do all these adrenalized activities that I loved. Uh-huh. So I really felt like it was the right character, mm-hmm. you know, for me to create. It felt yeah. natural and real. Yeah. And she does in the book. And what's so great, too, is that we were just talking about this as well, that I love you don't get a lot of physical description. So everyone can imagine what she looks like to them as well, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that's the brilliant thing about reading. Uh-huh. You know, in, in movies or TV, uh-huh. you get, you know, obviously a physical look at someone. Mm-hmm. But in reading, it's a beautiful interaction between the reader and the, and the author. Yeah. And that way, you know, every single person will see Thea Paris as a very mm-hmm. different character. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. And that's how it is in real life, too. Everyone sees exactly what they happen to see in their five or ten minutes with someone or longer. And so for people who aren't familiar with Thea and her story and who she is, can you tell us a bit about Skyjack? Sure. So Thea Paris is an elite kidnap negotiator. There are 25 to 30 people in the world who actually do this for a living, and I've met many of them. Um, I've immersed myself in kidnap and ransom for the last five years, interviewing all sorts of experts in an attempt to make sure that I have a very solid and authentic foundation in the kidnap and ransom world. Now, Thea Paris has a very um, profound reason for becoming a kidnap negotiator, and that is when she was eight years old, she watched as her brother, who is 12, um, be kidnapped. And her brother um, was taken, and this is on the back of the Freedom Broker, so there's no spoiler <laughs> alert, I promise, um, was a, became a child soldier in Africa for nine months. Mm-hmm. When he came back, he was never the same. So um, the brother was kidnapped in Thea's place, so mm-hmm. she has a lot of survival guilt. Yeah. And she decides to become a kidnap negotiator because she never wants any family to suffer like hers did. Mm-hmm. And she is one of, she is the only woman, I think, in her office. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And But there are literally, you uh-huh. know, genuine um, female uh-huh. freedom brokers out there. Uh-huh. And what makes uh, Thea a little bit special and different as well is that she has type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. I felt really strongly that, you know, there's a lot of people out there with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, can you name any other lead character who has a chronic illness? Right. Right. No one has that handicap of something else to grapple with. 
Yeah, and yeah. I felt like, you know, I wanted to inspire young people out there, mm-hmm. you know, that may have diabetes or any other illness um, mm-hmm. to reach for their dreams and go for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that also comes from your background as a medical writer as well, doesn't it? To have to bring some of that background knowledge in. Absolutely. I, I wrote a lot of articles about diabetes uh-huh. and, and I felt, you know, it's, it's, I mean, 371 million people in the world mm-hmm. have diabetes and it's on the upswing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's really important, I think, to just educate people yeah. as well. And I want to correct myself since I said handicap and I don't mean it that in the sense that she has the, you know, something grave. Obviously, she can work with it. Mm-hmm. Just handicap as in like she has a challenge yeah. that she has to deal with. I think, you know, I look at it as vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. what it is. And you see, the tough thing is when you create a character that's super strong, mm-hmm. you have to make sure that it's not a comic book character because mm-hmm. this is a novel and I really wanted her to be a fully fleshed out, humanized yeah. you know, individual. Yeah. And I felt if I did, you know, the diabetes and also, you know, the, the dysfunctional, she has a majorly dysfunctional family, yes. which is very fun to write about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think some people could probably relate to mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know? And one of the fun things in this book, too, is that there are a lot of overlapping stories. So mm-hmm. at a few points, every chapter, you're switching to someone else. Mm-hmm. So I like that mystery of how is this coming together and where is it going to come mm-hmm. together? And one of the other characters that we have in this story, Johan, is he I, will have to skirt around because we definitely don't want to give anything away here. Mm-hmm. So he finds out that his father is, let's say, not quite as nice as he would like to believe. <laughs> that would be an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yes. like I really want to balance this. I'm not giving anything about it away yes. from the book. <laughs> so he finds out his father isn't quite as nice as he would like to believe. Sure. But then it goes from there, and we find out a lot more about him. And he also goes to school at an interesting place that you actually have a connection to as well, doesn't he? Sure, I'd be delighted to share that. So um, Johan goes to you know what used to be known as Salzburg International Preparatory School, mm-hmm. and I actually attended that because um, growing up, my father worked in telecommunications, and I lived mm-hmm. all over in you know, overseas. Uh-huh. And so we had to go to boarding school. And so I, I went to Salzburg. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I love that city. Mm-hmm. Um, scenic views like you can't believe. And I felt like it would be really nice to sort of commemorate my time there by having <laughs> Johan go to school there. <laughs> Absolutely. And so in this story, we get overlapping ch- lapping chapters that we have Thea, she, Thea or Thea? Cause, Thea, right? Because yeah. I feel like in my head, I keep switching it. But you know what? Once again, you can say it any way <laughs> you would like to because it's in your mind. But, but it is Thea. And the reason it's Thea is because her full name is Athena. Okay. And okay. I think I keep thinking Althea. Sure. <laughs> Even, <laughs> if you're happy with it, that's great with me. <laughs> but at any rate, so she is on an airplane that is skyjacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the same time, we're dealing with a nuclear crisis where nuclear weapons are missing. Mm-hmm. And then also a crisis of, um, I guess, a global genocide, <laughs> prospective global genocide. Mm-hmm. Small, so, small stakes, right? Small stakes. <laughs> yeah. Very small stakes here. <laughs> and so was there any part that to you is more more of a pull when you were writing that was the story that you really kept getting drawn to but you also felt like you wanted to balance everything sure well I I'm really a big researcher as you can mm-hmm. probably tell from my mm-hmm. intensive study of kidnap and <laughs> ransom and I also love discovering things about science and history mm-hmm. and so I discovered that there were these secrets stay behind armies after mm-hmm. World War II that very few people know about mm-hmm. and um, the Italian group is um, mm-hmm. called Gladio mm-hmm. and so I decided to kind of pit the Gladio against mm-hmm. an Austrian group uh-huh. and go head to head with Thea smack dab in the middle uh-huh. and what's really fascinating about these secret stay behind armies is they had like MI6 and CIA worked mm-hmm. together to have them and they had caches of weapons um, buried underground mm-hmm. and soldiers on standby to fight against communism which is crazy that that right? 
that they st- felt like they still needed to you know, <laughs> fight. And then, of course, we're in present day with the book, so it has continued. So I sort of yes. I took some literary license there because <laughs> it's, it's a fiction, right? Uh-huh, a novel. Right. So, so, but but uh, it, there is evidence, yes. like in real world, that mm-hmm. up until 2006, there was some existence uh-huh. of these armies. Like, there's so many things I think we don't know, <laughs> yes. but that's what makes it so interesting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you had an opportunity to learn a lot by connecting with the real, with some real hostages, some real kidnapped mm-hmm. negotiators, people who are actually in these positions. So when you first approached them and said, hey, I want to write a book, mm-hmm. how, how did they react to that? Well, I was really lucky. And um, as I told Zoe earlier, you know, I read everything I could about kidnapping because I really wanted to be an informed person. Mm -hmm. But then I realized there's nothing that replaces talking to the real people who do this. So I Googled Kidnap and Ransom Conference. (laughs) And believe it or not, there is one. (laughs) And, um, you know, the conference organizer actually said to me afterwards, I was very worried, you know, that you would be sort of shunned in the corner because Mm -hmm. it's a very shadowy, dark world where they, Mm -hmm. you know, all participate. But I was very gratified that they spoke quite openly with me. And Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason is because they could see how serious I was about getting it correct. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't a journalist reporting on their case. I just wanted to get inside their world. Mm -hmm. And of course, taking them for a few cocktails didn't hurt. (laughs) Absolutely. And so did you just approach people and say, this is what I'm working on? May I talk to you? Yeah, I, I, I was very honest and upfront because I didn't mm-hmm. want, you know, them to, to reveal anything they were uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, you know, they're just, it's amazing how people in general love to tell mm-hmm. war stories, you right. know, about their life. We all do. It's yeah. fun to share what we're passionate right. about. You know, I could talk writing and kidnapping mm-hmm. till the cows come <laughs> home, you know. Uh, I find it so interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that, you know, they, they really wanted to, you know, be part of it. They all read my, my book for me and vet it mm-hmm. to make sure it's all correct. Uh-huh. I also have Special Forces soldiers read my books to make sure all the action's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love authenticity, yeah. and I really hope to thread that throughout my books. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're also, you connected with a, kid, a hostage mm-hmm. who has the distinction, I suppose, of having been in captivity for, what is it, nearly 900 days? Yeah, um, there's a gentleman named Peter Moore, mm-hmm. and he's from the UK, and he was the longest held hostage in Iraq almost a thousand days, if you can believe that. Yeah. And Peter, you know, has become a very good friend of mine, and I'm honored mm-hmm. to know him. And he, what he went through is truly unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. he was blindfolded um, and handcuffed for over six months, and he would basically, you know, go like this with his cupped hands and kill mosquitoes as a way of, you know, keeping himself engaged and interested. Mm-hmm. Um, he also would interview his filthy, stinky pillow in job interviews, you know, back mm-hmm. and forth playing both roles. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for, for Peter, you know, he was a very sharp individual. Mm-hmm. He was able to kind of negotiate for better standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a heartbreaking story because yeah. Peter was taken with four British military gentlemen and only Peter survived. Yeah, and unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so did you learn about some of the negotiating and calming techniques that the negotiators used, like either in his case or from the other negotiators that you spoke with? Absolutely. Yeah, I've immersed myself in every aspect of this mm-hmm. business. And um, I find mm-hmm. it interesting that, you know, the ransom, in, in the cases where it is ransom kidnapping mm-hmm. versus political or ideological, um, usually the amount that they ask for, mm-hmm. they end up getting 10 to 15 percent of that. In their final amount, uh-huh. you know, when they when the ransom comes in, uh-huh. and uh, it's really important to haggle. And do, do you have any yeah. ideas why? 
Well, I guess because if it's too easy, mm-hmm. then they're just going to find your sister and try again. Exactly. <laughs> make it it could be a whole family discount right. situation going <laughs> right, on. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's truly yeah. terrible. But you have to make them work. You have mm-hmm. to make them they think that they squeezed every last cent out uh-huh. of you. And um, as well, um, you know, if they don't, you don't do that, it's possible they'll consider the mm-hmm. ransom payment a down payment and uh-huh. keep coming back for more. Right. Right, because why not? And it's in your mm-hmm. first book that was really fascinating that mentioned that there was a um, like a kidnapping insurance out, mm-hmm. but that they don't tell the CEOs how much it's for, so they can't mm-hmm. speak up and say you can get X amount of dollars. That's really fascinating to me, and it goes hand in hand with what you're saying now. Absolutely. Well, think about it this way. If you're taken captive and mm-hmm. you know how much you're insured for, right. let's say $3 million, right. if you're under torture... I mean, right. how long is it going to take before you say, hey, I'm worth right. $3 million. you know, right. to ask for that? And so the less that you know as a potential captive, the better. Right. And you should never, ever negotiate for your own release. It's sort of like, you know, a lawyer trying to represent himself. <laughs> Not a great idea. Uh, you know, so, so but it's, it's really, you know, it's tragic because there's over 40,000 reported kidnappings a year. Mm-hmm. And, and there's many that go unreported. Yeah, I'm sure. And it's becoming um, a really big international crisis. Mm-hmm. Terrorists are using it as a fundraising mechanism. And then, um, you know, displaced military and police in developing countries Mm -hmm. are turning to kidnapping because they have wonderful security skills, Mm -hmm. but they uh, have no way of putting food on the table. Right. Isn't it sad that people resort Mm -hmm. to using humans as a commodity Mm -hmm. because of the fact that, you know, they're starving? And it occurred to me, now I can't remember if it was during book sure. one or book two, something like that, like, wow, kidnapping's kind of a good business. <laughs> like, maybe you kidnap someone, you get a few million dollars, right. and you're good for a while. Well, that brings up a great <laughs> right? point, Zoe. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, mean I was thinking yeah. it. <laughs> you're going to kidnap me? and, Careful. and Yeah, I know. I'm getting really worried now. <laughs> <laughs> Once that door to the studio is locked, exactly. it's coming out. I, I mean, love it. But if, you know, you can read that and exactly like, wow, mm-hmm. you can, you know. Well, there there is a major problem with auto which is self-kidnappings. And one of my Freedom Broker um, experts had Mm -hmm. shared with me this interesting story where Mm -hmm. there's a gentleman, a businessman, who was very low on funds and was Mm -hmm. struggling and near bankruptcy. And he uh, had his son go on vacation, vacation, you know, for Uh a couple of weeks, hide away. The son, you know, bruised his face on a sink before he came back. But see, the thing is, is that these these people, you know, Freedom Mm -hmm. Brokers, who do a fantastic job Mm -hmm. of debriefing, there was all sorts of holes in this gentleman's story. So mm-hmm. they knew, you know, in time yeah. that it was a fake kidnapping, yeah. you know? I mean, there's another one, right? Kidnap yourself. Yes. But you're right. You have to prove it. Just like insurance, right? Even for your car. is never just yes, about to write no. you a check. They no come one's... around, those adjusters. Yes. Keep an eye on you, you know? Right. This is the third time you've been kidnapped yes, in three exactly. months. What's happening? Suspicious. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And so what have you learned from them? To me, like thinking of a a negotiator, I Mm -hmm. think someone who's calm Mm -hmm. and who can probably get along with everyone in any situation, even in their real life, because they're so good at, you know, remaining calm and mediating. Is that like, have you been able to take anything away from that in your real life that you can apply? Absolutely. I, I mean, these people usually come from an alphabet soup background. So they are mm-hmm. tactically strong because of their, you know, they go into these very foreign hot zones mm-hmm. that, you know, you need to be strong and capable. Mm-hmm. They usually speak at least one other language because, of course, it's critical to mm-hmm. be able to communicate well. Mm-hmm. And nuances are, cr- you know, yeah. incredibly important when you're talking life or death situation. Mm-hmm. If they don't speak the language, I found it interesting that they often use two t- interpreters. And that's to make sure that the guy interprets. 
interpreting isn't taking a little cut that ransom himself uh, and or saying something that's not appropriate and that could be inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right? right. And those nuances. And then they have yeah. to be very, very empathetic mm-hmm. um, with family members because mm-hmm. they're, one of their major jobs is to, you know, basically spend time with the family and, and work, walk them through the kidnapping situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're at, the family is at the worst time of their lives. Mm-hmm. So to have someone who's understanding and empathetic is critical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine a career like that and mm-hmm. jetting around like this, which is why I like to read about it in books. <laughs> it's much safer that way. It's much safer. Yeah. There is no kidnapping insurance out on me. No. <laughs> you won't get anything if you take me. Okay. <laughs> and so another thing that's interesting, although I don't want to give away the character's name because I think that'll give away some of the book, sure. you have a character who is known for whose name is used a lot because he's killed off in multiple people's novels, which is kind of interesting. Yes. So how does that work? <laughs> okay. This was a really fun thing. Uh-huh. So I know this gentleman, and um, you, you won't, I won't use his name. Don't use his yeah, name because it'll give it yes, away. it'll yeah. give it away. But um, he really enjoys, you know, um, being murdered uh, over and over <laughs> again um, in novels. Uh-huh. And so um, I'm actually his silver anniversary, his 25th. I'm very honored to be chosen for that. Uh-huh. And um, I had a really, really fun time executing uh-huh. his wish. Let's just leave it at that. And so... Did he win a contest? I've heard of sometimes people can enter contests. Mm-hmm. Or did was it your relationship that he came to you and said, like, would you mind killing me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In That's this case, it was a relationship. <laughs> and, and he was thrilled with the uh-huh. end result. Right, um, but, but I do uh, off, you know, for, I do a lot of work, for example, uh-huh. with diabetes auctions and things mm-hmm. like that because Thea has diabetes, where I, you know, will donate, you know, a name and a book. And, a, uh-huh. and it's great because yeah. people really enjoy it. And I always have fun because most people, when you ask them if they want to be someone good or bad, they go, Bad. Do they really? Absolutely. <laughs> Where's the fun in being a goody two-shoes, right? Says the goody two-shoes right? to me. Yeah. I'm the goody two-shoes. If, if you were in the book, would you want to be bad or good? No, well, I was going to say good, but now I feel like that's the wrong answer. No, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> I'm the goody two-shoes. Okay. <laughs> I want to be the hero. Yes, I get that. I don't know if I'd say, well, I definitely want to be killed. I, you know why? It feels a little superstitious to me. Okay. I think that's what it is. I that, that. That, like, you kill me in the book and it's like, Ugh. Okay. I promise not to kill <laughs> not you to in any books. Not to kill me in a book. Okay. Yeah. I can be a good guy, though. I'm, I'm all about that. Okay. You can be on the team with Thea, right? Yes. Back up. She needs another woman, right? She sure does. I love that. And so something else with Thea that's pretty interesting is for anyone who goes to your website, she mm-hmm. actually has a headshot and bio as well. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide on that particular photo and mm-hmm. and to put her on your website? Well, I think it's really interesting, you know, that characters really have a life of their own. And if they're, especially for the writer who creates them, they're mm-hmm. very real. Yeah. And I really wanted to show that by writing her bio and giving some in-depth background information. And some of it isn't even in the books. Mm-hmm. And I'll maybe even continue to develop that background to keep things interesting, right? Yeah. And, and, and with each novel in the series, you know, Thea is going to grow and change and, and have, you know, other issues in her life mm-hmm. and come into contact with, you know, many different people. Yeah. So I want to just keep that as, a, as uh, in, in some way as like kind of like a way of keeping, you know, up to date with what's going on in her life mm-hmm. and her bio. Yeah. And then the woman who who was chosen for her photo, did you have a connection to her? No, actually, uh, I, I, I felt it was a very good representation uh-huh. of what I see Thea uh-huh. as, but that doesn't mean a thing. I mean, Thea has long, dark hair and green uh-huh. eyes and a, a sort of S-shaped scar right. on her face. Other than that, it's all up to you, Zoe. Right, right which I love yeah. that I can imagine her exactly as mm-hmm. I imagine her. <laughs> right. Mine might be different from yours, right? Sure. And so... 
the other thing, so when you first started writing these novels, you ha- you got your agent in a sort of interesting way as mm-hmm. well through through another writer that you know. So. Yes. Well, if anyone hasn't read Karen Slaughter yet, you're in for a treat because she's one of the best female and male writers out there, like a best mm-hmm. thriller novelist out there. And um, I had the great pleasure of studying with Karen in a very tough place, Hawaii. Oh. And oh, no, what work? it was awful. <laughs> yes. It was awful on the beach every day. And so, um, you know, Karen read some of my work and, and was very kind and offered to introduce me to her agent. So, mm-hmm. you know, I signed with her agent thereafter and, and the rest is history. And um, I'm very grateful for, you know, to Karen for really helping mm-hmm. me out. Yeah, and you know, sometimes when I've talked to authors, like there are all these different ways people wind up with mm-hmm. agents. And so it sounds like it was actually a very seamless transition, which makes mm-hmm. it sound easy, but then that negates the amount of work that sure. I know you put in to get to that point. And part of it was making those connections through Thriller Fest. So mm-hmm. will you talk a little bit about that organization? I would be so honored. <laughs> so Thriller Fest is the annual conference for the international thriller writers. And if you go to thrillerfest.com, you can learn everything you need to know. We have um, master classes for aspiring authors. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, uh, Pitch Fest, which is where you can pitch yeah. to up to 60 agents. What an opportunity, wow. right? Yeah. And we have, you know, George R. R. Martin is actually going to be yeah. our special guest this year. I think you might have heard of him with yes. Game of Thrones <laughs> and all. And, um, you know, people like Lee Child and mm-hmm. Steve Barry and David yeah. Morell, who created Rambo, and mm-hmm. a host of other, Lisa Gardner, mm-hmm. you name the, yeah. the thriller author, they're likely to be. And it's July 10 to 14th, yeah. and it's in Manhattan at the Grand Hyatt Hotel. I mean, it sounds like a great event. And so you were working for a long time as a medical writer, and then this morphed into this... (laughs) How did this morph? Sure. Well, I always wanted to write um, thrillers. Uh That's my passion. I love to read them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember the day I read David Morrell's spy novel, and Uh I was hooked for life, and I thought to myself, you know what? I really, really want to write these stories. And um, But, you know, one has to work towards that goal. It's very mm-hmm. challenging to break into fiction these days, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe the odds are one in 100,000 or something wow. crazy, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful that, you know, self-publishing has, has created a, a lot more mm-hmm. options for authors. And it's a wonderful one, you know, depending on what your goals are. Mm-hmm. But um, it was really yeah. tricky. So I, I felt like, you know, I still wanted to eat, yeah. you know. So I decided that medical writing would be a great way to, uh, you know, keep the pay the bills uh-huh. while I studied writing. Yeah. And it's a really, I find it very interesting because medical writing taught me a lot. It taught me to write to deadline, mm-hmm. write to work, word counts, uh-huh. right? Oh, sure. But it also um, is very journalistic in nature, whereas writing novels mm-hmm. is more like you're creating a dramatic story and you need to paint the picture for the um, mm-hmm. readers. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very different way of writing and it's, it's something that really needs to be honed. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, the two different types of writing. Mm -hmm. Now, while you were doing the medical writing, was there a sense of longing of this is really what I want, but I'm I'm working there. I'm working towards it. (laughs) 100%. Because you can imagine that, you know, writing about all these different health Mm -hmm. elements, you know, isn't Mm -hmm. nearly as fascinating as writing about Thea Paris, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And did that also inspire you? Because Johan also has a syndrome that I might be pronouncing wrong, Marfan? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I really feel, like I said, you know, there's hardly any characters out there with the illnesses in mm-hmm. books. And I just think it's really yeah. important to use that because 
you know, it, it changes your focus in life, mm-hmm. right? When you have something at the back of your yeah. mind. At the same time, I hope you felt that I, I used a very light hand with Thea's mm-hmm. diabetes in the sense that, you know, it was always there as part of her, mm-hmm. but it's just like all of us, or, you know, right. with illnesses, you know, it's there, but it's not our driving force in life. We're right. really fully fleshed out people mm-hmm. with life goals and, you know, feelings. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't crippling to her. It was part of her. Right. Yeah, like you say. And another part of her that's kind of a part of you is that sense of that adrenaline junkie, right, sense Mm -hmm. of adventure, because you grew up all over the world. Is that right? Yeah. My father worked in telecommunications, and um, it was was a wonderful opportunity, a great education to learn. You know, I lived in Africa, Saudi Arabia, Puerto Rico, Europe. And, um, you know, he was a very, like, you know, he's a very adventurous person. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for example, when we lived in Africa, the roads there are incredibly poor Mm -hmm. and they're full of potholes. So he was responsible for the communications between Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania. So he got a private pilot's license so he could fly from place to place instead of using those terrible roads. Uh And um, he got into aerobatic flying. Wow. And so they would do stuff. You're going to like this because I know you're, you, you just wait. <laughs> so they would throw a, a roll of toilet paper uh-huh. out the window of the plane. And the person who would win would be uh-huh. the one who could cut the toilet paper into the most ribbons. So you can imagine uh-huh. what that would involve, right? Yeah. A yeah. little topsy-turvy. Yes, absolutely. And so would you ride with him during yes. those topsy-turvies? Yeah, I've, I've definitely been in there for like different little stunts and stuff. And it was it was fun. Uh-huh. I mean, and kids, you know, we don't know any better when we're kids. <laughs> you don't know it's not no, safe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you also have kind of a fun story that's, I guess, a really good example of cultural differences about what your father was offered to leave you behind oh, as well. Yes, it was so t- My life would have been very different if, if I if he and said yes. Um, living in Saudi Arabia, um, it was it was very interesting because you know it's, it's different culture. So mm-hmm. my father was kindly offered, you know, I think maybe three hundred fifty camels <laughs> and a Mercedes, and he said, you know, boy, if it would have been that Porsche nine eleven, you would have been sold left, right, and center. So. Which makes a fun story, but yeah. not so much a fun reality. No. <laughs> if that had been the case. That, the Saudi prince is hopefully married to a lovely lady, but not me. <laughs> That's right. And so in your third novel that you're already hard at work on, what can fans expect? Sure. Well, I, I've really, like I said, I've met so many fascinating people, one of which is a gentleman who is a hostile environment consultant. That mm-hmm. is like the greatest title, I think. Yeah, and what right? is a hostile environment so consultant? So he guards journalists and VIPs in war zones mm-hmm. in very challenging places. Like, I'm often talking to him if he's in the middle of Syria mm-hmm. or, you know, Afghanistan. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty crazy existence. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he spends his time, and it's a very challenging thing. You'll you'll res- yeah. understand this given what you do for a living. You know, you want to get the story, mm-hmm. so you want to really push the envelope. But at the yeah. same time, he's also got to help them get the story at the, at, while keeping them safe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have some fun having this hostile mm-hmm. environment consultant with journalists kidnapped in Jordan, oh, which okay. is a fascinating country. Uh-huh. And Thea is going to try and negotiate for the release, and. This gentleman, the hostile environment consultant, mm-hmm. is her ex. So that just complicates uh-huh. things way more. Of course. Of course, when yeah. you bring that in. And speaking of ex, there's there's a lighthearted, I'd say, relationship throughout mm-hmm. with, you know, a potential oh, that yes. looks like it could be going somewhere. But it's interesting because it is not what we sometimes see, I think, when there, especially if there's a female lead, is it has to turn into romance. Mm-hmm. And in your novels, I feel like it's fun because it's that is it coming, but it's not hard over the head. We're not here for romance. This is still a thriller. Like, mm-hmm. this is the book you picked up. It's not turning 180 degrees in the last 50 pages for a for not at all. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I feel I feel I feel very much so that relationships enhance all of our lives, mm-hmm. and in, especially in, in fiction, I think it's really rich to have mm-hmm. that you know potential, like you said. Mm-hmm. But just like that, you know, the old show Moonlighting or any of the other stories where they have that sexual tension there, mm-hmm. it keeps things interesting. Yeah. I think you want to keep characters apart because readers would be like, "Come on, are they going to get together? Yeah, are they going right. to get together?" <laughs> um, whereas I think if you put them together, it could have the potential to be a little boring. Right. So I'm going to have some fun. Mm-hmm. But um, and also, I think by bringing the X, it's going to create a little bit of tension. Yes. <laughs> we need a love triangle. Oh yes, and you're and you're absolutely right because I wanted them to get together, mm-hmm. but I also didn't want them to get right. together. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you so much for being in the studio, mm-hmm. KJ. Where can readers find you to keep up to get their copy of Skyjack to find out when the third book will be out or to find you at a book signing? Where where can they keep up with you sure. on social media? Well, like I said, I, I do Facebook and Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn, and my web website's um, kjhow.com and it's really fun. Before you plan your next vacation, Zoe, you might want to visit my website because yes. I have a big map that has all the kidnapping hot zones on it. So just to make sure, you know, you're going to go right. somewhere safe because it's <laughs> interesting the different places. Um, you know, feel free to stop by. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm Zoe Hewitt. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Zoe Hewitt. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Skyjack. You can pick it up and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menunos, and Jeffrey Masters, thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at Book Circle On. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>